I'm Steph. I'm Kim. And, and this, this is Solved, Unsolved, or Spooky. Hello, everyone. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Hopefully, you've all had a great weekend. Having Wait. a great weekend. Oh, okay, because it's all really fun Sunday. Sunday. I always forget that. Yeah, hopefully everyone's having a great break from work or whatever they do. I know I am. Anyway, I finally have my car back in one piece and it's going. It's driving me to where I need to go and driving me back. So I'm a happy chap. It's not in heaven. That's good. Mm. How about you? You got any news? Mm, I don't think I have any news, but... Just the world <laughs> in general. The world's gone mad. I swear every time I look at it, because I don't have TV, so I don't have news, but I get bits and pieces on over Facebook and TikTok. Well, usually I just watch funny videos of animals and that, but lately I just keep seeing, like, um, there was a lady in I think England, Sarah Everard, who was murdered by a pol- like a police officer? The police officers have really made the headlines a lot lately, haven't they? Doing yes. all the wrong stuff. And then I'm pretty sure I heard about there was a shooting. I think it was like eight ladies oh, or something. Yeah. And I I don't know. I, I didn't really hear. I only heard like a little bit of that. So I don't really know exactly what happened. But I'll have to have a look when I get into service. But I did hear something about the police officer saying, like, oh, he had a bad day. Bad, and I was like, day. no, he didn't have a bad day. The people he shot and his fa- their families are having a bad day. Like, no, that is not an excuse. Pretty inappropriate. It's just everything. Like, in the, I keep seeing stuff from, like, I think it's Canada. And, like, a lot of the Indigenous women are, like, going missing. Oh, really? Yeah, and there's just so much happening, and I'm just like, what is happening to the world? I don't even know anymore. Crazy place. And then we've been watching David Attenborough. Like, those those came out years ago, and it's like, yeah, the world's going to implode because we're just destroying it. So I don't know. I just haven't seen so much good stuff lately. (laughs) Good stuff's hard to find. Yeah. Anyways... I am going to be headed to Cleveland today. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So today I'm going to be doing the Cleveland Corso Murderer, also known as the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run. I'm trying to remember. I know that. I know all those names. Pretty impressive names. I can't remember. If I was a serial killer. He he didn't name himself, did he? No. Okay, good, because I can't handle that because... We've been listening to TCG or True Crime Garage, and they've been doing the Zodiac, oh, and I'm Zodiac. like, how like, crazy do you have to be to freaking name yourself? Make yourself a little costume. Yeah. Oh. Uh, with your nice, neatly sewn little logo on your shirt. Like, <laughs> man. That you wear when you see a real kill. Yeah. Psycho. Yeah. Yeah, anyways. All right, so let's get into it. During the 1930s, Cleveland was on the move, headed for the big time. And we know we have listeners from Cleveland, so hello to you guys. If you're from Cleveland, drop us an email and tell us what it's like today. 
at podcast at solvedunsolved or spooky.com because we'd love to know. And if you have any more information about this case, we'd love to hear it firsthand from the locals because no doubt you guys growing up there would have heard about this horrific case so you probably know way more than what I've managed to find. I'd love to hear anything you guys have. It is interesting. Like I know when I hear people talking about ones that I know of and that it's always like, oh, I know all that. Like I heard that when I was like this. And then actually my friend and I were driving. Who were we driving? We were driving near Seven Mile Beach because we went. Because you can. Yeah. And um, I was like. Is that Seven Mile Beach? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, someone was murdered there. She goes, I'm not even surprised. (laughs) It was actually a friend of my sister-in-law's. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was a friend of Leanne's. uh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, so Leanne was besties with the girl that got murdered and she's like, no, the husband wouldn't do that. He'd never do anything like that. The husband always did it. Yeah, the husband did it and left the kids at home in bed. Oh, no, I think he actually might have put them in the car and mm. taken them in the car while he buried her down there. Oh, God. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, so I know there's a museum that's at Cleveland that's got a lot of the artefacts and stuff like that, and oh, I know wow. there's a lot, of, a lot of new information that's actually headed more than likely headed to the museum. Mm. So if I lived in Cleveland. So he'd be going. I'd be going. I would have to solve this case. How cool would that be? Pretty cool. Anyway, the population was growing at huge rates and soon became the home for many labourers that were needed to support the powerful steel and manufacturing base that was moving in and out of control rate. Millionaire's Row was in its heyday. So you had all the people... (laughs) Millionaire's Row. Yep. What? That just sounds weird. How they termed things back in the day. Reminds me of, like, where we used to live. <laughs> when you had the guy down the road with all his sheds and his Ferraris. <laughs> and the other guy with his... He didn't even own a helicopter, but his friend did, so he built a helicopter pad. Yeah. And then there was the guy down the road with all these massive lights everywhere. Yeah. And his huge house. That's what I was picturing. I'm just picturing like rich people everywhere. Yeah, that's that's what this became. This was happening. So they were coming out of the the Great Depression, mm. and you had people becoming millionaires like just out of nowhere. Can that happen to me? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently broke. <laughs> but all like the majority of people, yeah, were just broke, like <laughs> like you, like me, and like just getting broker and broker and broker, like desperation broke. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the richer were just getting richer and richer and richer. I wish that wasn't me. Pretty awful. Yeah. All right, where do we get to? This incredible boom led to the Great Lakes Exposition and the Republican National Convention, which were held in 1936, along with many other conferences and conventions. So that's how much this place was booming. Mm. All the big wigs were coming and, like, celebrating. And- oh, okay. I'm glad you elaborated on that because I was like, well, what? Does any of that mean? Yeah. So all the big wigs were like driving this place, growing and mm. pushing, you know, selling stuff and getting bigger and yeah, yeah, making more money really. Hmm. Uh, even though this meant leaving many of the poor folk behind, as it always does. Usual. <laughs> While life was going on for the rich and the poor, thirteen people were brutally move it. <laughs> <laughs> Move it. <laughs> they were moving. 
No, they were murdered over the course of four years and many more either side of that. Oh, wow. And when I say brutally, you've got no idea how brutal. Brutal's not even a word. It's okay. like nothing. We'll say because I've read a lot of stuff. In 1934, the Mad Butcher started or continued his spree with consistency and dedication. All of his victims were decapitated. Love a good dose of decapitation? No. And while most of them were still alive. Oh, no. Have you heard of that before? That I haven't heard of that before. Like I think I've heard a couple of cases, but there's not many. There's usually post-mortem. They usually, yeah. Mm. Very, very rare. Although the infamous safety director, Elliot Ness, claimed to have solved the crimes, no suspect was ever charged. And subsequently, no one was ever brought to trial. I hate unsolved ones. Hence my need to go and... I I think it's been solved pretty much, but I would like more evidence. Mm. And I'm pretty sure if people got hold of the files and stuff now, I, I reckon they could solve it. Yeah. Definitely solve it. Not that they could probably take anybody to court now, but because everybody's probably dead. Yeah. Okay. The horrific murders ended as abruptly as they had begun in the immediate vicinity, which leads me to believe that this murderer moved around a lot. Mm. This theory is backed up by strings of similar murderers in neighbouring areas. To this day, the Kingsbury-run murders remain one of the most sensational and intriguing unsolved crimes in Cleveland's history. Hmm. So for you locals, this is where it all happened because you guys actually know these streets and stuff, so you'll be able to picture exactly where it was. I think that's so exciting. I'd love to be able to do that. The Kingsbury Run is a prehistoric riverbed running from the flats to about East 90th Street. The train and rapid transit tracks still run through the run. The run is bordered on the north by Woodland Avenue and on the south by Broadway Avenue. Kingsbury Run was a dark, dreary and dangerous place in the 1930s. The Great Depression had left many living in appalling and squalid conditions. The run was made up mostly from a makeshift hobo jungle that was filled with junk and rubbish. <laughs> like our house. <laughs> the poor people who lived in the hobo jungle <laughs> were mostly transients. Please stop saying <laughs> <laughs> jungle. The poor people who lived in the hobo jungle were mostly transients transients who often rode the rails to escape the brutal Cleveland winters or simply to keep moving. I'm guessing it gets cold there then. Like how sad, yeah. How sad. That's what you've got to do. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's the other thing I was looking at the other day. They've been putting spikes and stuff everywhere and, like, putting seats that are, like, slant, like kind of slanted so you can't sleep on them. It's disgusting, isn't it? Yeah, so that they literally have nowhere can't. to go. Yeah. These people don't really want to be homeless, like, but they need somewhere safe. And the number of homeless in, in the region we live is horrific and just getting worse and worse by the day. And most of them are kids. It's just horrific and to take the few places they've got away from them. Mm, like a safe, sheltered yeah. spot. Like they're not hurting anyone. So we have a showground with um, council facilities like electricity <laughs> and water, stuff like that. So if you're lucky enough to have... A, a caravan or a tent or something like that, you can go and stay there 
and the locals kicked all the homeless people out because it was bringing the value of their property down. I don't know why. I can't even see the houses from there. Like how disgusting is that? Like human human life just has no value. Anyways, the area just to the east of the run was known as the Roaring Third, and it was home to bars, brothels, flop houses, and gambling dens. What's a flop house? I'm not 100% sure, but I like the sound of it. I don't know. I don't like that. Could you imagine a night on the Roaring Third? I reckon it'd be a lot of fun. No. A gambling den and a drink here. and I don't do any of that. And I'm not <laughs> social. I'd be hiding in a corner just pretending I wasn't there. <laughs> Which is pretty much what I usually do. And this grim setting is the home to the most notorious murder case in Cleveland's history. So this all began in September 1934. When a young man found the lower half of a woman's torso. Oh, God. Her thighs were still attached, though. What a thing to walk up on. I know, right? The amount of people in this story, and they're usually teenagers. Oh, God, of course. It's true at times and all. (laughs) Stumble over some body parts. But they had been amputated at the knees. She was washed up on the shores of Lake Erie, just east of Bratnell. Cuyahoga County Coroner A.J. Pierce noted some sort of chemical preservative on the skin which had turned it red, tough, and leathery. Oh, what? I know, right? Okay, um, I did not know that. I know. It's quite bizarre, isn't what? it? Okay. That's First body found. A little extra. Has already got a little like, extra, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm assuming that wasn't his first no way. Kill, no. 100% no way. Like, you don't just go yep, straight into that. No way. No. That yeah. takes a long time to escalate into that kind of behaviour. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I've written. <laughs> this is a commonality that will be seen through the rest of the episode, and there had been questions as to this victim being directly linked to the butcher, mm. but I feel that this makes it 100% certainty because he has the same mm. MO, yeah. distinct MO on other victims. I was going to say usually they have slight variations if they're similar so oh that's more than similar if it's exact if they're exact then i'm assuming it's the same yeah so i'll be using the research information that includes her as the first victim she's classified as victim zero as she was added to the count at a later date i believe that this was not his first victim and he already had his mo victimology chemical experiments body dismemberment and body disposal very well organized yeah the subsequent search yielded only a few other body parts. Ew. That's another question I've got, and you can think about it during during the episode. Where is oh, this little chap keeping his extra body parts? He doesn't have a basement, does he? I don't know. And what else I want you to think about? I know a lot of people do that. The body was that of a female in her mid-30s. The head was never found. Oh. This guy likes heads, hence I guess his decapitation. Yeah. Loves heads. Weird. Hmm. Unfortunately, the woman was never identified. Oh, that's sad. Mm. The amount of victims in this case. Could they, have they got the DNA on, like, file? I doubt it. We're talking like 1934, uh, I think. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, I that's don't a think long they time ago. Even, no. They weren't even fantasising about DNA back then. I was going to say, they wouldn't have even thought to take it. No. They probably would have. If they found hands, maybe fingerprints or teeth or something. But they did use fingerprints back then. They were definitely using fingerprints. Um, But no, we didn't really even have 
good DNA till late 90s. No, no. They weren't even thinking about it. Okay, I forgot that we were more further back. Which I, I believe her not being identified is actually part of his victimology. Mm. Many of his victims were never identified, leading me to conclude that the victims... Maybe they were like, like prostitutes or something. A bit of everything. So Or drifters, maybe. Drifters, prostitutes, people with criminal records. Someone that people no sadly wouldn't miss. miss. Yeah. Yep. And I think this guy was very smart. Which is what a lot of them do. Did his research. Yeah. He knew. He knew who to who to. That's who to so take. sad. There are other theories as well, and I'll probably get to them a bit later. This poor, beautiful, mid-30-year-old woman, mm. who obviously was brutalised pretty badly, is now referred to as the Lady of the Lake. Oh. Isn't that beautiful? That's a cute name. He's beautiful. It wasn't until two years later that this find was included into the official killing total and thus she became known as Victim Zero. That's sad. It would be another year before the case began officially and then it would be in another part of the city known as the infamous Kingsbury Run. Mm -hmm. September 1935, two teenage boys. Oh, God. No, like that's there. I swear it's always just teenagers stumbling over bodies. You can just, like, picture them in their little shorts and pop with a stick on their shoulder going fishing. You know, just sweet, innocent little boys. I don't know what they were doing back then. I have no idea. I think they were just, you know, kicking dust and rocks and stuff. Anyways. Sounds like my job. They discover a decapitated and emasculated corpse of a white male. Oh, so he doesn't have, like, an actual, like, what's the word? Like, um, a yeah, certain victim. He has no. He doesn't care. I think he has no preferred sex. He's just like, you're there and you're. Kind of like miss you, so that's that's his yeah, okay, yep. And um, when he does choose males, yeah, um, you'll notice most of those are like mid 30s, mid to mid 40s, majority of them, yeah. I don't think he cares, no, he just wants a victim, no one's gonna, yeah, to be honest, yeah. So that was at the base of Jackass Hill (laughs) at the point, interesting name. (laughs) That's at the point where East 40th or East 49th Street dead ends into the Kingsbury Run. So the, this chap is ob- and that's where that Roaring Third was, this Kingsbury mm. Run. So this this chap's obviously hanging out in these brothels and dens and yeah, bars looking and stuff. out for someone. He's got plenty of time to do research. Mm. He's sitting there having a drink, just watching. Yeah. The body, naked except for a pair of socks, had been cleaned and drained of blood. Oh, okay. Yep. I always find that weird when they drain the body's blood. I do have a question, and I was going to research, and I thought you may know. Mm. If I'm decapitated, right? Yeah. Is my body automatically going to drain of blood? It'll mostly drain. My heart's drain. still pumping. I'm alive. My heart's still pumping. Is that how? Is that why they're being drained of blood? Well, you you wouldn't completely drain. You'd have to be probably hung up a bit, or at least elevated. Because, like, your jugular, it depends which veins as well. Like, your jugular would probably lose a lot of blood, but some go a certain way and blood doesn't overly come back out that easy. But if you nick certain arteries um, and stuff and if your heart is pumping, it's better because obviously that pumps the blood out. But Mm. I think you probably have to be at least elevated enough so chances are this guy's taken them home. Oh, that would it'd take a lot of 
time and effort to do that. Okay. It wouldn't just have like it. You'd have some blood left in, and then you'd get that liver mortis thing where the blood settles. Like you'd still have some blood. So he's he's doing. So if it's completely drained, then Maybe yeah, none of that. Because my thing, why I thought, so this guy is killing these victims somewhere he feels safe to perform the rituals and experiments. Somewhere, I'm assuming somewhere he's somewhere. not scared of getting caught, especially if he's home. washing them down with chemicals and stuff. Yeah, he has somewhere set up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, kill room or something. Yeah. He knows he has all the time that he needs to drain their blood, chemically clean, or burn his victims. You know what it reminds me of? The, um, the Black Dahlia one? She actually comes up in this. Does she? Yeah. Okay, because I just keep picturing, like, the Black Dahlia because mm. she was washed and she was severed and just, she, yeah, and then posed. Yes. But she comes up in this one. Yeah. Okay. Who knows? Maybe it's the same dude. So fascinating. He knows that he has all the time that he needs to drain their blood, chemically clean or burn his victims and dismember them however he saw fit, along with taking the time to prepare them for disposal at his pre-selected disposal site. It's like he's had a long time to practice his skills Mm. and fantasise about the horrors that he can inflict on the dead or dying. There were rope burns around his wrists. Which also indicates that he's been tied up before his death. And if they're like strong where it burns, it means he's been there for a little bit to acquire the actual, like, because you can be tied up. There's actually photos of some of these victims because this victim was actually identified. Mm, That's good. The guys that his head head have been found were actually quite good looking, even though they were corpses. (laughs) Yeah. Be interesting to see how. Mm how damaged that they were, like, from the ropes and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, because then you could tell how long they've been held or how not, much they fought. There's not a huge amount of information or detail into that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm. Orna Pierce determined the cause of death had been decapitation. Oh, God. The cause of horrific. death. I wonder if it was done from the front. So, and I think probably with all of this other additional stuff. Mm. I think he did it from the front so that the victim could see it terror. coming. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you're like that, if I'm assuming. I like to want to call this guy a coward and yeah. you know, I think he did it from the back, but I really doubt it. I, I think know. these yeah. people like to inflict as much pain and to terror as they can. Yeah. 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 Fingerprints identified this victim as Edward Andrassy. Andrassy was a 28-year-old white male who had an arrest record. So I'm assuming that... The killer's definitely white then. Killer's white. Because sure. he's only killing like white people and they tend to stay within their own, like, colour. Yeah. So I'm assuming he's, like, a white male. One thing is... that you are assuming, mm-hmm. and I assume the same, mm-hmm. you're saying he. Oh, it's definitely a male, isn't it? Well, that's what I – I actually think it's male, but then as I was thinking of a, an um, – I was trying to do a profile on him. Yeah. Um, I just don't. Find I believe it's male. Most, like, most women are more, like, they drown, they poison, and I just, I feel, I guess I'm in do, that. They do neat. Very, yeah. Very neat. They're not as violent or bloody. But you do get. But then you do get those, re- like, Catherine Knight, like, she was a psychopath. Yeah, you get some crazy ones. Yeah. So it, there is outliers. Yeah. But to me, I just this. I think this, this is. is a, I think this is definitely. It a definitely white male. seems like a white male. Like, 
at least, I reckon he could be up to 40. But Not at this stage, I don't I don't think he's very old. I don't believe he's 40. He's probably, so. like, maybe 30-ish, I'd reckon. I reckon he's done previous murders. From, oh, for sure. Obviously, because that wasn't his first. Zero yeah. was not his first. And I reckon in this particular series of killings, I reckon he's mid-20s to, to mid-30s. 30, yeah. Um, and then he does, I'm pretty certain, go on to a killing after this as well. Yeah. That's just at this stage because I think I've got some, some profiling later do on. They, I was going to say, do they have a profile of this person? I haven't read a profile, no. Oh, okay. No. I always find it fascinating when they get profiles and then they catch – obviously they don't catch this person, but when they do – and it's like they put in these obscure little details and yep. then they have that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. I'm pretty sure I know who this guy is. It's like it's like the Zodiac. Mm. Like just when you're hearing the first few details, you know he's yeah. he, he's a dork and he reads <laughs> comic books. magazines. Yeah. yeah. Like you can just tell yeah. from his behaviours. I really hate that because I love comics and superheroes. <laughs> and all of your friends are nerds. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but ner- <laughs> nerds good. Nerds good thing. Anyways, where were we? Poor Edward was rumoured to be homosexual, which was very, very taboo uh, back in this era. So this poor chap. That's so sad. He's got his little criminal record. Who mm. knows how bad it was. So he's already a bit of an outcast. Mm. He's homosexual, which back then is yeah, just back like then automatically makes worse you, than being a murderer. Yeah. So he's had to go to these kind of places oh, to find companionship. That's so sad. Like how, how horrible is that? And the people that work in these places have got no choice but to work in these places. Like, yeah. The whole thing's horrible. They're just mm. people in a situation. Yeah, trying to make the best out of it. The best out of society. Yeah. And these horrible, nasty murderers are using those places. And he often frequented the Roaring Third, which was apparently the Mad Butcher's new hunting ground. I was going to say, it definitely sounds like he's stalking that place. Oh, he's, yeah. Yeah. And he's just blending in. Well. Like he could be anybody. Yeah. Who cares? No one cares. And that's the thing, you don't have cameras and all that back then. Like no. you don't have surveillance. and no. You don't really even have like serial killers. Like they're, they're happening but no one's really pinpointing, oh, this is, you no know. No one ever knows. You know, yeah. Victim Zero, no one even really cared that she was dead. She wasn't so even. Sad. They didn't start doing anything about the yeah. first few murders for a couple of years. Like. Because they're just fine. people from, the, you know, the Roaring Third. They're just low lives. Like, who cares? That's crazy. That's the attitude. Whilst they were examining the corpse, police discovered a second body nearby. Oh, God. So, like, there's this body that your two little teenagers are just stripped over. Oh, for days. <laughs> Probably traumatised for the rest of their lives. And then there's just another one. Just, what? This guy's just bodies everywhere. Body, body parts everywhere. Oh, my God. So the Mad Butcher was just dumping them around willy-nilly at this stage. He did not care. No, no, he didn't care. <laughs> and that's the other reason, I think. I guess. These were not his first victims. He kind of realises, hey, no one's going to catch He no was right. Cares. No one's going to catch me. It's fine. No one's going to catch me. No one cares. Wow. He's been doing this for a long time, I reckon. This body was also decapitated and emasculated, the second I'm body. guessing he's very um, narcissistic. If he could, he'd be having a little outfit with his little <laughs> little mad Butcher of Kingsbury logo on it. Okay. And it also appeared to be covered with the same chemical preservative as the Lady of the Lake. There's definitely no... I was going to say now you'd be able to go, well, what chemical is it and where do they supply that? And, Not in those days. But I don't back think. then I don't think they would have automatically gone, you know. No. Oh, 
Because in like, what does it say? What chemicals he used? Doesn't say. Damn. I think they're at a loss as to what on earth this guy was using. Just made your skin leathery yeah. and red. So weird. so whether it's like you know when they tan cow hides and yeah. stuff like that, whether it's something like that. I don't know. And it probably is, like stuff like that. I'd be really, I'd be, I really want to know, like, what actual chemicals he used. So you can do it to your victims. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just curious, like, and why, why did he do that? Like, I reckon he was trying to keep them. That's what I reckon. That's what I mean, like, do they, uh, I really want a profile, like an actual detailed profile. We are in here later. I've done a little bit of profiling and I want you and everyone else to join in. Okay. So I think. We, we are going to create a profile on this guy together, all of us. For me, the chemical preservative usage gives a sense of those serial killers that kill or cannibalise to keep their victims with them. Mm. So to me, you know when you preserve a body? Yeah. So you, yeah. Oh, I know. I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm like, yes. <laughs> so, so I'm like, not sure where you're going with it. Like Jeffrey Dahmer or yeah. Dennis Nielsen oh, or the Jeffrey. cannibal Armin. Like they did certain things to keep their victims with them, with even them, though yeah. they weren't keeping the victim ultimately. Oh, yeah. In their head. That's the way they were keeping them. That's right? how they were yeah. keeping them. That's what I think this chap, I think it's a guy, was doing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. This body had apparently been dead for at least a couple of weeks before it was found. Was it at, like preserving them well? Because it, like, if it's turning them leathery, I'm assuming it would I be preserving it, them a bit. I think it would return all preserve their external yeah where the bits that were yeah exposed to the chemical yeah i get a sense that he was holding them for a while before the final decapitation and dismemberment before the act of dumping the no longer wanted so from stuff that I've, that's come mm. up so far it's like you've got the yeah the, the ropes around the wrists you've got the chemical treatments yeah. do they have any other wounds like other bruising or injuries or they just holding them, decapitating them and doing this thing? I don't think so. I think well, because a lot of body parts aren't found. Oh, so you don't actually They're know working with whatever body parts they've they got. can find. And then they're definitely alive when they're decapitated, but there's no mention of <laughs> yeah, any yeah. other kind of brutalisation or anything like that. Mm. The 40-year-old white male was never identified. So I think you've got a lot of, like, middle-aged men yeah. who aren't quite happy at home that are frequenting these places, mm. get a bit of extra attention or whatever, and he knows they're just easy pickings. Oh, no. It's starting to rain. If you hear rain, it's, yeah, it's raining. Yeah, sorry. It's going to rain all weekend, and we're doing our best to record in a non-rain period. <laughs> So if you're hearing raindrops, we do apologise. Otherwise, we just won't be able to get one out this week. All right. The 40-year-old white male has never been identified, even though his head was recovered. He was oh, about really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of heads recovered and fingerprints and whatever mm. and no identification. There is another theory on that that I will get to. He was found about nine metres away from Edward. Wow, that's not very far. I do wonder if they did bother to have a bit more of a scan around whether there's, whether there's more. Yeah. He is thought to be victim number one. So the Lady of the Lake Zero and John Bow One is number one. Mm. It does get really confusing because there's so many victims. Yeah. And the, they can only guess as to what number victim they are because some of them weren't found for like 12 uh, months. Yes. Yeah, so and then, they cross over. I didn't say it's 
it would have been a lot harder then. We've got so many like better techniques and yeah, and there is a we lot. Got, of, like, there's a lot the, of guessing as to time of death and stuff like that, yeah, yeah. which is quite sad. Uh, with Edward Andrassy being number two, it's believed that John Doe one was dead three to four weeks prior to being found, and Edward being killed two to three days before the teenagers located them. So, if you look at that, Andrassy was killed two to three days before the teenagers found him. The other guy was only three to four weeks prior to that. So this guy's he's already escalating. He's yeah, he's, like he's already killing every month at least every three to four crazy. weeks. January 1936, a woman discovers about half, this is horrible, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely horrible. I imagine me, I'm a nosy sticky beak, and I would go and I would find this body. <sighs> a woman discovers about half of the body of a female neatly wrapped in newspaper oh. and packed in two half bushel baskets. So she's found these little baskets and she's gone to have a look what's inside of them. <laughs> so he's taking the time to, bo- to package the bodies neatly. He's like almost like. OCD. Just, like, it's displaying in a certain... Like, it not, is displaying. Like, you're yeah, not, like, displaying like like some people do, but it is a form of it's displaying. It's a form of art. Yeah. And that's why the Black Dahlia. Yeah. Like, it, it's a form of art. That's so weird. And the way... He was probably watching this woman open her baskets. Terrifying. This poor lady probably thought she'd found something good, opened it up, and, well, body parts. Oh, <laughs> I was watching this. I read this thing the other day. And it was like, am I the only one that when I see a garbage bag automatically <laughs> assumes it's dead body parts? Uh, and I was like, yes. And my friend's just like, um, no. <laughs> I'm like, we're very different. <laughs> yeah. Ever see a rolled up rug? I oh, know. No one's in that. <laughs> the baskets were left alongside the Heart Manufacturing Building on Central Avenue near East 20th Street. It's just leaving. It's like these places just seem like. Where people would be You know, someone's going to walk up there, find it. <laughs> find it. They're in cute little basket. He oh knows that she's going to check it out. Everything except head was recovered about 10 days later in a vacant lot on nearby Orange Avenue. So he's put his body parts in the baskets for this chick to find. Yeah. She tells the police. Then we go look for the rest of the body parts. And they're just in a paddock <laughs> except the head. That's so weird. And once again, the cause of death had been decapitation. I really hate that. She'd been dead two to four days before he neatly disposed of her body parts. For some reason, however, the killer had waited for rigor mortis to set in before disarticulating the rest of her body. So usually he chops. weird. Usually he kills them and yeah. then just dismembers straight away. Straight away, but you left him. Maybe, maybe something. Well, he could have either got interrupted. Maybe. Or maybe he just wanted to see if it would make less mess. Thankfully, he left behind fingerprints, again allowing identification of the victim. Mm. Police announced murder victim three to be Florence Polillo. She was a waitress, barmaid and a sex worker who more than likely spent time frequenting the Roaring Third as a part of her employment. At the time of her death, she resided at East 32nd Street and Carnegie, right on the edge of the Roaring Third. It's believed that she was his third victim and that this is also the order that she was found. She's one of the few that was actually found in order. Oh, okay. Yeah. His victimology seems to be people who do not quite fit into the nice little package called society. So far we have a criminal, a prostitute, and a homosexual, and considering the era, not good. Mm. With so few actually identified, 
It's almost like they were outcasts from their own families, untraceables who simply did not matter. I was going to say, like, I'm assuming if there was missing persons reports, they would have at least looked at them and been maybe this. And if they had, like, the heads and, like, stuff like those. I have got written down later. There is a theory, and I actually believe the theory, that these people could have been out of towners as well. Oh, yeah. So like, then they wouldn't have. Because no internet. Yeah. No, you, you know, like, this is my county, this is your county. The cops didn't kind of they yeah. just did their own little area. Nothing really got ever yeah. Yeah, crossed over. That's why so many of these serial killers were so good at what they did. Mm. I believe that this pert watched his victims learned a little about them, and when he knew no one would come looking for them, he would make them his mark, lure them back to the safety of his killing ground, and then commit whatever horror he felt like on the day. He may even have been fighting with his sexuality, a victim of child sex abuse, or was an extreme homophobe, as he generally removed the genitalia from his male victims. Oh, God. Okay, yeah, that's... He's definitely feeling something towards the males. Yeah, yeah. Either, yeah, like you said, he's been hurt by them or he's, yeah, struggling yeah, with his own. Or he's struggling with his own. Yeah. You know, because it's a horrible thing to be gay back then. I was going to say, back person. then, that's like the worst thing you could do. Could do, yeah. 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 Which is completely horrific. sad and terrifying. Yeah, horrific in its own thing. Yeah. June 1936. Early one morning in Kingsbury Run, two young boys discovered the head of a white male. What? <laughs> like, just. These little boys just shouldn't be just, walking around. They're just going out for the day, having fun. <laughs> so they found the little head wrapped in a pair of trousers. Okay. Close to the East 55th Street Bridge. Police found the body of the 20-something-year-old man the next day dumped in front of the Nickel Plate Railroad building, police building. Oh, God, in front of the police building. Police building. Wow, this guy's ballsy. Yeah, I think this guy's got a lot to say just with body parts. Whoa. Because there is more later on that he's that he does get up to. He's just like, here you go, please. It was cleaned me. and drained of blood. The corpse was intact except the head. Oh. So I don't think he's doing much else to him. That's crazy. Coroner Pierce again determined that death had been caused by decapitation. In spite of a fresh set of fingerprints, Oh, this one's this one's sad. This this guy's got to be an out of towner. Okay. In spite of a fresh set of fingerprints and the presence of six distinctive tattoos on various oh, wow. parts of the body, police were never able to identify the victim. Oh, that's crazy. You think if you as a local people would have recognised at least yeah, tattoos? Yeah, this guy for sure. This guy for sure. Yeah. He was estimated to be twenty to twenty-three years old, light complexion, reddish brown hair. Did they say they didn't find his head? Anyways. He it was headless. He didn't say they didn't find it. Chestnut-coloured eyes, stood 5 foot 10 or 11 tall, slender build, 165 pounds. He had six unusual tattoos on his body, a bird and band, and the names Helen and Paul on the inside of the left forearm. He must have had someone they so cared probably for. probably his parents or something. Like, yeah. The, a heart and anchor in red and blue on the other side of his forearm. So I'm thinking maybe navy or something like say that. Navy. Yeah. A flag and the initials WCG on the inner side of the right forearm. A butterfly on his left shoulder. <gasps> the head of the comic character Jigs on his left ankle, and an image of Cupid on his right ankle. 
His undershorts bore a laundry mark indicating the owner's initials were JD. Oh, wow. So I'm definitely thinking Navy or or Army or something. I'm thinking Navy because of anchor. Yeah, the anchor. But to have your initials on your underwear. Yeah. And for yeah, you, I think you're right about him not being from there. Because if they'd have advertised that and what the tattoos were. They've advertised. I'll go and then that. no one come forward. Yeah. He's, he's out of it. And area. if he's got names. He's either a blow-in, like yeah. on leave or whatever, or he's yeah. got come from somewhere that this guy was taking his victims from. Wow. A plaster reproduction of the man's head along with the diagram of the kind and location of the tattoos were made to display at the Great Lakes Exposition of 1936. Wow. More than 100,000 people oh, saw whoa. the death mask and tattoo chart. So, so, yeah, if he was from there, he would have been identified. Would have been identified. The tattooed man, or John Doe II, as he's now known, was never identified. The original death mask, along with three others from the case, are on display at the Cleveland Police Museum. I find death masks pretty, pretty cool. They are pretty cool. John Doe II was the fourth body found. However, it is believed that he was victim five in the timeline, having been dead for two days before his body was found. This is crazy. His tats were so distinctive. Mm. The other thing, you know how I was talking about I think it's a male? Yeah. There were no drugs found in, in most of their systems. Yeah. No drugs found in his system. He's 5 foot 10 or 11, so nearly 6 foot, yeah. 165 pounds. Yeah, big lady to take him on. I think it's it's a very powerful human being, yeah. whoever it is. Yeah. I'll put pics in the show notes. So if any of you mutual sleuths want to go down there and do some digging, let us know how you go because this one needs solving. <laughs> July 1936, a teenage girl. <laughs> Poor little thing. Why are teenagers just walking <laughs> around and just being able to find body parts? Because that's what you used to do back in the day, but you didn't find body parts. I mean, I used to just walk down in the forest. You used to, like, kick cans or – I wasn't alive back in, in this day, but kick cans or rocks or throw rocks. Oh, I used to throw rocks. Well, we both threw rocks. <laughs> there was no no, and then we no found, malice involved. I was going to say, then we found fossils in them, so then we just started smashing rocks <laughs> and found more fossils. So she came across the decapitated remains of a 40-year-old white male. <laughs> Imagine just stumbling on these things. While walking through the woods near Clinton Road and Big Creek on the near west side, the victim, number four, had been dead about two months. Oh, whoa. And his head, as well as a pile of bloody clothing, was found nearby. He would have been lovely by then. The other reason I think it's a guy. Mm. Body parts are heavy to carry. Yeah. And just to be carrying them willy-nilly to all these places. Although did he have, like, platinum to wheel them in? I don't know. It's believed he was dismembered while he was still alive. That's pretty cool. I don't have words for that. No. That's cool. And he was the fifth victim to be found. Judging by the enormous quantity of blood that had seeped into the ground, this man had apparently been killed where he's was I was going to say, did he, was he killed there? He was killed there. Well, so in the woods, I guess he's kind of isolated enough that he obviously felt comfortable. Yep. So he's just come across this person. And then just decided, hey, you're next. You're next. I haven't got time to do my rituals and things I want to do. September 1936. A transient trips over the upper half of a man's torso while trying to hop a train at East 37th Street in Kingsbury Run. This was John Doe 4. 
That's great. I'm not phased if that happens to me. Like, I'm just, I'm prepared for it at this point. <laughs> but I have listened to so many podcasts yeah. and read, read so much and watched so much. But, like, imagine just going about your day and just stumbling over a body. That's been there for two months and has no head. Yeah. You know what else I find super weird and I don't understand? How do people mistake the smell of death? Yeah. I'm like... I read, I read about it all the time and I watch stuff and they're like, I didn't know what that was. Because no one was. wants to believe that their gorgeous neighbour who they have chats and wine with all the time is chopping people up and shoving them in their basement or in their... Like, I've smelt enough rotting animal carcasses and... It's pretty horrible. Like, that is a very distinctive smell. No one wants to believe it. Yeah. I, I don't know. If I smelt that, I'd be like, yeah, mm, you're definitely a murderer. I'm a murderer. Police searched a nearby pool, which was nothing more than a big open sewer. Oh, God. <laughs> Sounds beautiful. And found the lower half of the torso and parts of both legs. Oh, my God. Police sent a diver in to make the recovery. This place just sounds so disgusting. Like, there's just bodies everywhere. Bodies everywhere. Sewerage. <laughs> the number of onlookers that turned out to watch this grim spectacle was estimated over 600. <laughs> Everyone's just day out, let's go, watch this. Oh, my God. Can you imagine that? You're, like, you're watching some poor diver hopping mm. into sewer looking for body parts. Imagine just, that job. Yeah, I know. Mm. And the killer may well have been among them. I was going to say, he was probably looking on just like, yep, that's what I did. Yep, I, I reckon 100%. Because they all do. 100%. It's like so many of them. Like there was a case. In I don't I can't remember exactly where it is, but there's these two teenage boys who kill someone, and then they're at the funeral and they're taking photos of yeah. themselves. Yeah. And then, yeah, was the other one. I literally think you. I can't remember. Horrible. It's crazy. But it's part of the the thrill. Yeah. Victim number six was in his late twenties, and the cause of death yet again was decapitation. Coroner Pierce noted the lack of hesitation marks in the disarticulation of the body, indicated a strong, confident killer. Well, I was going to say, it's either like he knows what he's doing or he's just done it so much now that he does know. Yeah. So it would be interesting to know if the first ones, if there was hesitation marks or if there was, you know, several cuts before Yeah. or if he had a background as a surgeon or a butcher or, you know. Maybe surgeon. Mm. Coroner Pierce said he was very familiar with the human anatomy. The head had been cut off with one bold, clean stroke. Only half of his torso was ever found and nothing remained below the hips. Are we thinking cannibalism or trophies? I really don't know at this point. No. And where are the other parts? A lot of them do dispose of other bit just in rivers. And, and just know. getting a bit of notoriety for parts. Yeah, because the rest. it's almost more terrifying just finding a part of a body and then never finding the, the rest. rest of it. Horrible. This victim also died instantly. Six brutal killings in one year and the police had no clues or spuck suspects. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what you're trying to say. The Cleveland Press, the Cleveland News and the Cleveland Plain Dealer all reported almost daily on the killings and the lack of a suspect. Mm. Tension was high. I bet it was. Who was the mad butcher of Kingsbury Run? Like there's someone going around murdering people and they have no idea who. No. 
The recently appointed safety director, Elliot Ness, gets more involved in the case. When Elliot Ness arrived in Cleveland in 1934, he was known as one of the Treasury agents who helped enforce prohibition laws and did battle with gangsters in Chicago, including Al Capone. Because of this untouchable reputation, Ness was named Public Safety Director for the city the following year. His mission was to professionalise and revitalise a police department that had become corrupt, lazy and political. He'd basically just taking money. Okay. Just, yeah. That sounds great. Coroner Pierce called for what the newspapers dubbed a torso clinic. Oh, <laughs> A torso clinic. You know, you, like you usually have like a task force for like dead bodies or something. Yeah. Really, we've only got torsos. So they call it a torso clinic. A meeting of police, the coroner and other experts to discuss information and to profile someone who could be responsible for these gruesome killings. And it only took six horrifically dismembered bodies for them to take action. <laughs> I have many ideas on a profile for this chap. Send in your ideas and let's see what we can come up with as a team. We'll put them up on the Solved, Unsolved or Spooky Facebook page. The police department put detectives Peter Murillo and Martin Zalewski on the case full time. They moved through the seedy underworld that constitutes the run and the roaring third undercover, often dressing the part and often in their own time, blending into their surroundings. Hmm. So they're getting drunk and having a great time. <laughs> By the time the case had run its course, the two had interviewed more than 1,500 people hmm. and the department as a whole more than 5,000. Wow. This would be the biggest police investigation in Cleveland history. The November elections came and returned Harold Burton as mayor, but Coroner Pierce was replaced by the young Democrat and now legendary Sam Gerber. Gerber's fierce determination and dedication to medicine, along with his degree in law, put him at the forefront of the investigation. February 1937, we have a repeat of the Lady on the Lake, with the latest victim known as Jane Doe One. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we're back to the females again now, who was found at the same spot as the previous victim. So how could they not link Lady of the Lake? Like she's this Mm. one's found in the identical spot. Oh, did they not link it? Not took them years. Took them years to link it. Oh wow. Okay, I would have been like, wow, he's returning to the same spot. Yeah. (laughs) She's believed to have been dead for three to four days before she was found. A man found the upper half of a woman's torso washed up on the shore east of Bratnell. Unlike all previous victims, the cause of death had not been decapitation. Oh. And I guess... What was the cause of since death? Since every other one was decapitation. Yeah. And you wonder if this bit. isn't just somebody else. Copycatting. Copycatting, dumping it in the same spot. Yeah. Doesn't know the exact MO. So you just don't know, do you? The decapitation had actually happened after she was already dead. Oh, okay. Yeah. The postmodern. Big, big difference. Unless, like, something happened and he had to had kill no her. Choice and, then, and then was like, well, I decapitate, so I'm yeah. going to decapitate her. Yeah. The lower half of the torso washed ashore three months later at about East 30, 30th Street. The woman was in her mid-20s and she was never identified. This and is crazy how they never identify some people. No. And she didn't get no pretty name like Lady of the Lake. Mm. She just got Jane Doe 1, June 1937. A teenage boy discovered a human skull under the Lorraine Carnegie Bridge. Next to it was a burlap bag containing the skeletal remains 
of what turned out to be a petite black woman. What? About 40 years old. Okay, I know, that's right? weird. She had a rib missing, possibly another trophy. <gasps> so pretty much this entire person mm. is found in pieces, obviously, yeah. in bags, um, with just one rib missing. Now she's just a skeleton. How long has she been dead for? She's been there for 12 months. Like, oh. They were lucky enough to do dental work on her. Mm. So dental work allowed for the unofficial identification of Rose Wallace. Oh, okay. Police followed every lead they had on her, but ultimately it led nowhere. She's believed to have been victim six and her body was not found for 12 months from her time of death. Wow. Dental work was considered a close match by police and her son, who said it was definitely his mother. Oh, that's so sad. He, yeah, he's, he's 100% that's his mum. Exact identification could not be achieved because the dentist who carried out the work on Rose had died years before. Doubts remained because the body was estimated to have been dead for a year, whereas Rose had only been missing for 10 months. That's not that but, long though, it's only two months. And back then, like, and I was going to say, how accurate is vic- it? Victim number one or victim number two, one of those, had originally been thought to have been out in the elements for about two, two to three days, mm. and then it got reclassified for nearly a month. Oh wow! So, so they, so it's not completely accurate. They're not great at what they it's do. It's probably back then. her. Yeah, it's. I think it's her. Hundred percent. July nineteen thirty-seven. There were labour problems in the flats that summer, and the National Guard had been called in to maintain order. So the labourers are getting dranked and getting a bit loud. A young guardsman standing watch by West 3rd Street Bridge saw the first piece of victim number nine in the wake of a passing tugboat. He's just chucking bodies everywhere, this chap. That's what I'm just thinking. He's just throwing body parts everywhere. like Bits and pieces everywhere. Over the next few days, police recovered the entire body, except for the head, from the waters of the Cuyahoga River. He's definitely escalating. Mm. The abdomen had been gutted and the heart ripped out. Oh, my God. Clearly indicating a new element of viciousness viciousness in the killer's approach. What is wrong with this man? A lot, I'd say. And, you know, does he have a job? Like, he's... He seems to be busy. Like, I only work three days a week. And, you know, fitting life in is still a struggle. Mm. Mm. The victim, John Doe, five, was in his mid to late 30s and he was never identified. He was victim nine and found two to three days after death. I just, that's a whole other level, like, gutting someone, especially, like, you'd have to be careful not to, like, nick anything because, oh, that smell. (laughs) Yes. On April 8th, a young labourer on his way to work in the flats saw what he first thought was a dead fish along the banks of the Cuyahoga River. Closer inspection revealed it to be the lower half of a woman's leg. Oh. This being the first piece of victim 12. On May 2, a human thigh was discovered floating in the river to the east of West 3rd Street Bridge. There's literally just body parts floating everywhere. The police search under the bridge found a burlap sack containing the victim's headless torso cutting two halves, another thigh and a left foot. Okay. The head and the rest of the body were never found. Wow. I wonder if the burlap bags and the trousers, baskets, etc., that he's putting the bodies into belong to previous victims. I don't know. I was wondering where he was, like, getting his Where's burlap he getting sacks. Where's he getting all these, yeah, disposal materials from? I reckon 
because one is actually found in a suit. But you would think they would try to track down that suit. I don't know. Uh, For the first time, Coroner Gerber detected drugs in the victim's system. Were the drugs used to immobilise the victim or was she an addict? I was going to say it's hard to tell because the rest of them weren't. I reckon she's an addict. So um, I'm just going to assume that she had taken them. Yeah. But if everyone else hadn't had drugs in their system, why would he drug? Why would he just start? Yeah. Yeah. And then go off it again. They thought the answer might come when they found her arms, but they never did. Oh. And she was never identified. So I think they were going to look for track marks. Yeah, probably. Yep. No other victim before or after this had drugs in their system. She was found three to five days after her death, August 16, 1938. Three scrap collectors (laughs) foraging in a dump site at East Ninth and Lakeside found the torso of a woman wrapped in a man's double-breasted blue blazer and then wrapped again in an old quilt. Okay. She was known as Jane Doe 4. The legs and arms were discovered in a recently constructed makeshift box wrapped in brown butcher paper and held together with rubber bands. The head had been wrapped almost the same. That's really creepy. Yeah. He's he's got plenty of time. I was going to say, it's like he's just... Plenty of time. Does he have a job? Like you said, like, he just seems to be after to take as long as he wants and do whatever he wants. Well, I think he could be keeping the body. For a while as well, mm. you know? Probably. He probably has them there for like the couple of days and then the last or a day before or something puts them out. Yeah. Because he seems to be putting them in places where people are going to find them. Yeah. So people cool. are bound to walk up on them. Yeah. Yeah. Gerber noted that some of the parts looked like they had been refrigerated. Oh. So he could be keeping these people quite some time and that might explain all those body parts that are going missing. Yeah. Oh. They're probably still all in the fridge. While searching for more pieces, the police discovered the remains of a second body only yards away. This was a male who had been decapitated and his head was found in a can. These two bodies had been placed in a location that was in plain view from Elliot Ness's office window. Almost as if taunting him. I was going to say, it's almost like, look out your window. No almost there. Like, whoa. Neither of these victims were ever identified. So Ness seems to think he knows who it is. Yeah. And I think I can hopefully cover that. Better cover that. And that, and he's accused this guy. Yeah. And that's why this guy's doing this. So Ness is oh, pretty sure. Okay. He, yeah. So he's gone and said, hey, I think you're the one doing this. And then he's had bodies turn up outside his window. Yeah. Well, that is compelling. <laughs> It is. Just going to say that. All right. August 18, 1938. At 12.40am, Elliot Ness and a group of 35 police officers and detectives raid the hobo jungles of the run. So I'm guessing Ness was a little bit cranky about these. <laughs> the bodies. These bodies, like, because it's like just saying yeah. you're a hopeless cop, mate. Yeah. So, yeah, he's finally decided to do something. 11 squad cars, two police vans and three fire trucks descend on the large largest cluster of makeshift shacks where the Cuyahoga River twists behind Public Square. Ness's raiders worked their way south through the run, eventually gathering up 63 men. Hmm. So these poor guys are all homeless, living in squalid conditions. At dawn, police and firemen searched the deserted shanties for clues. Then, on order of Safety Director Ness, 
the shacks were set on fire and burnt to the ground. What? Yeah. So these homeless guys. Why? Well, they could have, but he obviously thought. It's not a homeless dude. No. It, this guy's got somewhere. That he could take home. Yeah, he's not a homeless man doing yeah. this. Whether, whatever, whatever Ness knew. Yeah. He knew this was going to stop it. Okay. So whether he thought, he knew who it was. Maybe whether he thought move on or something. I don't know whether he thought this is just what I'm doing is disgusting. Yeah. And this guy's going to feel like it's his fault for killing these people. Maybe he'll stop. Mm. I don't know. But, but it worked. It actually worked. That's weird. Which is bizarre. The press severely. I do too. The press severely criticised Nessery's actions, rightly Mm. so. The public was afraid and frustrated, but he was a man of action and he had to do something. I was going to say, if it worked, easy to judge. Easy to judge. Mm. You wouldn't want to be in that. You wouldn't want to be making those decisions. Critics said the raid would do nothing to solve the murders, and they were right. But for whatever reason, they stopped. But did he move? I don't know. Because maybe he just figured he was onto him and now I've got to get out of here before he actually catches me. Before he does catch me. I don't. And if he's willing to do that. Yeah, what else is he willing to do? Yeah. July 1939, County Sheriff Martin O'Donnell arrested 52-year-old Bohemian bricklayer Frank Dolzell for the murder of Flo Palillo Dolzell. He had lived with her for a while. A subsequent investigation revealed he had been acquainted with Edward Andrassy and Rose Wallace. Mm, that's weird. Yeah, but you know, you're in you live in that area. Yeah. You're gonna know these people. This along with a confession made him look very guilty indeed. Yeah, but confession or <laughs> coerced confession. Yeah. Confession or coercion. Same thing. His confession turned out to be a bewildering blend of incoherent rambling. And neat, precise details, so, almost as if he'd been coached. <laughs> the cops made him say stuff <laughs> and then fixed up what he didn't know. Yep. Before he could go to trial, Dolzol was found dead in his cell. Oh, God. Now you tell me whether you think this is suicide. The five-foot-eight mm. Dolzol had hanged himself from a hook only five-foot-seven inches off the floor. What? His feet would have been on the ground. Yeah, they would. But he was found dead, hanged in his cell. Like if you're gonna hang yourself, you're gonna put the. If you're actually gonna do it, yeah, you're gonna make it so that you can't touch the ground. Yes. Yeah, Gerber's autopsy revealed six broken ribs, all of which had been obtained while in the sheriff's custody. Yeah. So they'd beaten the living daylights out of this little chap. To this day, no one thinks that he did. He was a torso killer. And it's unlikely that he killed himself. It's believed that his arrest was simply a political move. That's sad. And then they killed him. Like, they've got his confession. Yeah. They've beaten the life out of him. And got now his he, concession. he can't say, no, I didn't say that because he's, he's dead. dead. not going to trial. Okay. Lead police investigator Peter Amarillo noted similarities between the torso murderers and other dismemberment killings in western Pennsylvania, theorising that the killer might be hopping trains and hiding bodies in boxcars. That may explain the poor identification rate. What if they were not from the area? Mm. Kingsbury Run and the city of Cleveland had plenty of railroad tracks. Cuyahoga County Coroner Dr Samuel Gerber said the precision with which the bodies had been dismembered led him to believe the killer could have been a doctor or had some medical training. 
I was going to say, it, even if he was, because Catherine Knight wasn't a butcher in that. I mean, a, a surgeon in that. But she was a butcher. But she was a butcher, and she literally, like they said, it would have taken her ages, like over an hour, to skin a per- that per- like her, yeah. Yeah. person. And like they said, but it was done with such precision. Yeah, because she knew what she was doing. But that, that's what I mean. Like, so you obviously had some background of, like, a surgeon, yeah. a doctor, or, or a butcher. Ultimately, Ness was drawn to Francis Sweeney. Why wouldn't you with a name like Sweeney? Sweeney Todd. <laughs> well, That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> a doctor from a prominent Cleveland family. Oh. His first cousin, Martin Sweeney, was a congressman who was on the opposite side of politics to him. So maybe that's just p- political too. You just don't know. Yeah. Do no. Residents were terrified and public pressure began to mount on Ness, who ultimately holed Sweeney up in a downtown hotel and questioned him for weeks. Oh, weeks. I know, right? Whoa. <laughs> Including a, with a polygraph that Sweeney failed on two occasions. But, I mean, if you're being held for a week and that, you're going to be a bit... Yeah. Like, stressed. Stressed, and I don't know how well you're going to pass a polygraph. A 1930-odd. But I was going to say polygraph... Polygraph they test. Can, they're not 100% accurate. Like, even accurate. now they're not 100% accurate, but, yeah. like, back then, like, we're talking nearly 100 years ago. We're talking 80 years ago. I have no idea. Like, <laughs> I definitely was nowhere near being... Like, they, they're going to be horrific. They're probably like a piece of paper where you tick yes or no or something, and they yeah. looked at how squiggly your handwriting was. No, just... Ness felt Sweeney was the murderer but could never bring it to a trial. Yeah. For years afterward, Ness would receive taunting postcards from Sweeney. Oh. That's... What? Yeah. I reckon, I reckon it's him. Okay. I would love to see these. I would love to see the content. To me, it's weird because if you... We're just traumatized by this, like you, because he'd been interviewed. Like you wouldn't want nothing to do with him. You'd be like, no, nah, not going near. You. If you were like the Link way bodies, a, the way a killer, ki- like the way the killer is, you would be leaving things to taunt him. Yeah, which he, he, the killer actually left the bodies. Yeah, Sweeney is actually taunting him. So like, that's a bit weird. The killer was known as the Mad Butcher, but the killings themselves drove Ness mad. Oh. I know how sad, hey. Well, I guess you all you want to do is solve it, and you know you like you're pretty sure you know who it is. Yeah. What do you do? And now you've burned down Shantytown. <laughs> Nothing's happening. So how are you going to get more evidence? You can't catch him. Mm. In late 1938 or 39, I've read reports with both dates. The Cleveland police received a letter reportedly from the killer. Oh God. So he should have those... had a look at the writing, shouldn't they? Yeah. And then if he's a doctor, he would have been writing stuff. He could have um, gone and done a handwriting analysis. Yeah. I wonder if all this stuff is at that museum. I don't know. Because that would be one way to be able to find out. Because mm. you can try and fake your own handwriting, but there's, there's little bits the yeah, that you cannot, you just no. can't hide. I've noticed it when I write. It. Yeah. Like there's things I do and I don't mean to do them, yeah. but I always do. Just do. Yeah. I always find that fascinating too. Yeah. Well, they can determine it because they can look completely different and they're like, no, nope, they do this and this. They did that, yeah. Same markings. Mm-hmm. The letter read, you can rest easy now. I've come out to Sully, California for the winter. <laughs> the killer claimed to have killed someone and buried their body on Century Boulevard between Crenshaw and Weston in Los Angeles. Oh, God. No body was ever found. So that letter, 
could have just been any anybody. Yeah. So that's the thing that it's so hard to know because there's so many people out there that are psychos. That yeah, they'll just do that. They just want to be a part of it. Mm. It's like that guy when the parents lost their daughter, like on that cruise ship one where she went missing, and that guy contacted them telling them that he knew everything and to send money, and then it was just a hoax. Just, like there's people out disgusting. there who will do this stuff. There are. It's bad people everywhere. Uh, and the investigation only uncovered animal bones. Uh, yeah, so whether he killed an animal. I was going to say, did he, like, just kill an animal? Because that's still bad. Hmm. In 1947, the same year, Ness unsuccessfully ran for mayor of Cleveland. <sighs> Poor Ness. A woman later identified as Elizabeth Short, uh, Black Dahlia, yeah. was found murdered in Lemart Park in Los Angeles. Short was cut in half. I was going to say the late, the late, you know, little, like, baby pretty much found her. And they're on the way to, like, get their shoes, like, done or something. So he's saying he's killed someone there but buried them, and the next thing, oh, she's found there. She's found. And that was a horrific display. Yeah. That was a statement. See, I don't, I don't know. That, that one is so hard because, like, there's that Dr. What's his name? George, is it? Dr. George. Hodell. 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 Like, he looks really good for that. And his even family his, think he I was going to say his son's like a police officer and he's like, yeah, I'm 100% sure my dad did that. Yeah. Yeah. It's Who so knows? Hard. Maybe a couple of them have met up together. Because that no. one does really fit well. How you have your filthy pedophile rings. Maybe you got your filthy freaking decapitation rings. I don't know. Dismemberment rings. Although, was she decapitated? I can't remember. I know she was definitely cut in half she the way. She dismembered. And she was cleaned. They believed it was something to do with the art movement. Yeah. Movement um, oh, what's his Surrealism. name? Surrealism. Yeah. There's a certain artist I'm trying to think of, and I had to learn about him in school, and now I'm like, what you learn about him? Salvador Dali? No. No, not Salvador. He's your favorite. Um, yeah, my favorite Surrealist. No, it starts with an M, I'm pretty sure. I can't think. The only name that keeps popping in my head is Monet, but he's Monet impressionist Monet. and I love him. And he didn't chop people. And he didn't chop people. He just had a garden full of water lilies. <laughs> but he, he, Dr. George Hodel used to hang out with him. And yeah. He was a bit of a creeper too. Cause well, he painted. His paintings were dismembered bodies and things yeah. like that. And that's what they thought, that he was trying to recreate those in recreate real life. In, yeah. yeah. Interesting stuff. Terrifying. Short was cut in half. Her intestines were removed and she was drained of her blood. Mm. All similar hallmarks to the torso murderers. That's <laughs> weird because it is like it's like it could be any of them. Yeah, it could be. And how bad is and that? And how do you know? Like there's yeah. how many people are out there just that you could be like, well, this person could have done it. This person. That one, that one, that one. It's terrifying. Ness died at age 54 in 1957, broke and broke. Oh. Like, That's a bit just, heartbreaking. just destroyed. The man who was once the nation's top prohibition agent now had a serious drinking problem of his own. Oh, oh okay, so I'm guessing prohibition has something to do with alcohol. Yeah. I'm sorry, I really have no idea. Six months after his death, his memoir, The Untouchables, was published and became the basis for a television show a year later. Ness has remained a pop culture icon ever since, 40 years after his death. Wow. Neff was, Ness was given a funeral with full police honours in Cleveland and his ashes were scattered at Lakeview Cemetery on the city's east side, not far from the Kingsbury Run. 
where the mad butcher left a trail of body parts. The Kingsbury Run murders remain one of the most perplexing cases in criminal history and is thought to be linked to the murders in other areas around the same time. Mm. So I guess no internet was a reason that they weren't linked earlier. A headless body of an unidentified male was found in a box car in Newcastle, Pennsylvania in 1936. Okay. So along with... So just, yeah. Like they're all, they're all linked. Three headless victims were found in box cars near McKees oh Rocks, God. Pennsylvania, May 3, 1940. How so far is Pennsylvania from there? It's not very far. Yeah. Not very far. So and the trains I was going to say, I have link. no idea about American geography. But, um, the trains link as well. Oh, the so trains they just go through the... Yep. So oh. it's the same guy. It's just the same guy. All I was going to say, I, would hope, I kind of hope it is because I don't know more people doing that is terrifying. But this is 1940. So, so he's just doing had, it after that. This is now after that. Because he was like 34, wasn't it, that most of those were happening? 34 to about 38 or 39. Yeah, and then now. And now we've gone A couple years later, yeah. All bearing similar injuries to those inflicted by the Cleveland killer. Mm. Dismembered bodies were also found in the swamps near Newcastle between the years 1921, which would have put him in his early 20s. Before that, yeah. And 1934, so while he's still killing yeah. Here and then between 1939 and 42. So, what's that 20 year time frame? So, 20s yeah. to 40s, yep. It's, it's definitely him. In September 1940, an article in the Newcastle News refers to the killer as the murder swamp killer. <laughs> it doesn't say if they were decapitated or um, chemicals or. The most identical sim- similarities between the victims in Newcastle to those in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm. So they they don't tell you what happened to them, but they were similar. very similar. Coupled with the similarities between Newcastle Murderous Swamp and the Cleveland's Kingsbury Run, but it's the same guy, both of which were directly connected by a Baltimore and Ohio railroad line, were enough to convince Cleveland detective Peter Merillo that the Newcastle murders were the work of the mad butcher of Kingsbury Run. I mean, they, they're all in, uh, not like close proximity. I was going to say they're close proximity, like the same MO pretty much. You just have and, a different cop shop. Yeah. So you'll have so like not, Cleveland cop shop, Pennsylvania cop shop, and no one ever. No one talks. No one talks. No one talks to this day. No. No. I always find it like whenever they're like, oh, and these police collaborated, I'm like, what? Hey, what? <laughs> no, it's my jurisdiction. Get out. <laughs> I always find it weird. Merillo was convinced the connection was a railroad that ran twice a day between the two cities. He often rode the rails undercover looking for clues to the killer's identity. Wow. July 22, 1950, so another 10 years later, mm. the body of a 41-year-old Robert Robertson was found at a business at 2138 Davenport Avenue in Cleveland. Police believed he'd been dead six to eight weeks and appeared to have been intentionally decapitated. Mm-hmm. His death appeared to fit the profile of the other victims. Mm. He was estranged from his family, had an arrest record and a drinking problem and was on the fringes of society. Despite widespread newspaper coverage linking the murders to the crimes in the 1930s, detectives investigating Robertson's death treated it as an isolated crime. With all of the rumours and theories as to who may may have been the killer, one thing is abundantly clear. Elliot Ness had his suspected man. Mm. The suspect continued to taunt Ness for years after the killings had stopped. That's crazy. So that's that's something 
Yeah. That they would do. That's what, yeah. It's, yeah. Sounds very Zodiac. All official police records on this case have been lost, destroyed or removed. However, more recently, in 2011, the daughter of the late Peter Murillo contacted the Cleveland Police Museum, there we go with the museum again, with information that she had copies of all of her father's files on this case. Oh, wow. I know, right? That That's is so good. awesome. Yeah. Other recently discovered documents, including autopsies, hospital records, lunacy hearings and interviews, have shed new light on what really happened. Oh, wow. So it'd be so unreal to get hold of it all. It'd be interesting to look at those. Wouldn't it? That'd be. Some smart heads out there, mm. getting the, you know, a couple of smart sleuths out there. You can read more on this fascinating story in Dr. James Baldow's book, In the Wake of the Butcher and Though Murder Has No Tongue. Also, you can see the documentary from Mark Wade Stone entitled The 14th Victim, Elliot Ness and the Torso Murderers. And that's the end. Mm. And we'll have to cover the Black Dahlia as well. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. As it's like own story. This is what I've got so far for my profile. I'm guessing white. Because yeah. most of his victims were white. Yeah, I was going to say, usually, I mean, not always, like Jeffrey Dahmer, for instance, yeah. he actually was more attracted to, uh, like, people of colour. Yeah. So he, like, and that was, he wanted company, so that's why he killed them. But he's kind of like an outlier for that because if you're, say you're a black person or you're coloured, you usually kill within that race. Within and if you're race. a white person, you usually kill within that colour. Like, yeah. And, and usually men don't kill other men a lot either unless they've got, like, a like a homosexual, like, tendency. Yeah. It's so, yeah. It's, it's bizarre, isn't it? Like, usually they have a type too, like, they don't go women and men. No, no. It's usually just men or just women, so it's yeah. it always weird when they or go. Or certain age children. Or, yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like the Night Stalker, and how like he didn't care no. who he came across. He was like, "Whatever, I'm just going to kill anyone." Yeah, kind of gives those little bit of vibe there. Yeah, like anyone he comes across that fits the bill will do. It's smarter because it makes it harder to catch up. It does. I mean, I hate to say smarter, but all right. So I've also got this person lured both males and females into their trap. They were very physically fit men included, so I think male, due to the strength needed to carry body parts and to carry out the murders. I don't know, the carrying of the body parts, I was going to say, like, that bit doesn't, because I carry heavy stuff all the time. Yeah, I know, but if you're carrying, like, a torso, Mm. torso's, that's got to weigh, like, 30, 40 kilos, and then you're carrying a leg and a head and a, like. Yeah, but you're not carrying, you're probably not carrying them all at once. Mm, I don't know. Like, do you know how much chicken food bags weigh? They're a good 20 kilos. They are 20 kilos. And I can put two of those on my shoulders. That's 40 kilos. There was no sexual element mentioned for any of the victims, mm, except for the males who had their genitals removed. Does he need that? Because, like, like, the decapitation in itself could have been a sexual element for him. And keeping the head. Like, any of that could have just been, like, some, like, because most of the time, they don't actually need that whole actual sexual element for it to be sexual for them. Yeah. It was very clever, controlled and meticulous, very careful, and yet starting to morph and escalate when he started gutting and removing organs. 
Um, send through your ideas. Let's paint a picture of this person. And, yeah, let's get a profile happening. And if you can go down to that museum, have a <laughs> sticky beak. Take some photos and put them up on the, on the Facebook page. I imagine you would be. I know there's lots of museums that you can't take well, write down some facts. <laughs> it would be awesome to get some information. Mm. That's yeah. it. That's all I got. This is a really long one. <laughs> it yeah. makes up for my short one. Yeah. Okay. Okay, have you got anything else? No. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. If you could please leave a review on Apple Podcast, help us get up in the rankings, and please support the show by clicking on the PodBank link in the show notes. There's a number of tiers starting from $3 a month. This will help us to continue to bring you new episodes and upgrade our equipment. We thank you in advance and your help is so very much appreciated. And we'll be back next week with yep. something from Kimberly. I'm not sure yet. Aren't you? Are you no. not even there yet? I don't know. I keep thinking, I keep, I was, and I looked at Arabelle and I'm like, I was trying to avoid Australia. <laughs> I keep coming back. Maybe we look at the stats and figure out who our greatest <laughs> listeners are, which is, and do something from there. I have a lot of stories. But... Okay. <laughs> bye. 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 bye, bye. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can follow us at Facebook at Solved, Unsolved or Spooky, on Twitter at Hashtag or Solved, Instagram at Solved, Unsolved or Spooky. You can email us at podcast at Solved, Unsolved or Spooky.com. And if you want to support the show, go to Podfan and find Solved, Unsolved or Spooky and pick one of the tiers. Thank you. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.